And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, oh, what's up? It's all great. I mean, playoffs have been great, awesome, super. I can't wait to see Game Seven. Oh, and it's so exciting. It's um, yeah, it's a it's a good time to be a basketball fan. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, Game Seven, nothing better, especially Game Seven, where they are trying to make history. The Boston yeah. Celtics being the first team to come back down 0-3, and uh, they're gonna have a they have a good chance to do it at home. Yeah. So, so you are three and three with your uh, guesses on who's going to win between Miami and Boston. Yeah. Because we went over three and now three and three in a row. Yeah, I think I have picked Boston every single time. We're doing like this pick'em <laughs> thing on the athletic between like me and my colleagues, which I won last year. I'm not winning it this year, but I did pick Boston. I have picked Boston every single game. Yeah. Um, including tonight. Yeah, including tonight. Yeah, right, good. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Hadn't, hadn't been a hadn't been the best thing for any team for me picking them. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay, let's answer some questions from the Twitter sphere. We have way wow. way more questions than we could ever answer. Um, but we. We'll so do... can we start by saying something completely different and different and out of topic so that we waste time and we don't get to <laughs> enough questions? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, this morning I was running and I said, okay, tonight I will have to go in a monologue about shooting and I will not do that because I want to be very, um, I would say short with this, but I think that we should really reflect on what these playoffs are telling us. And I think that, um, the more I think about it, the more I, I watch how team plays and it's it's very hard, very very hard, not to watch these games and just thinking that adding some sort of spacing in the off season can improve things so dramatically. Which may not be the goal of next season, like improve things dramatically by just easing the work that Shay Giddy have to do um, and, and Chad have to do together and J Dub. So I'm not saying that. 
the Thunder should absolutely go and draft a shooter or get a shooter because, my God, if they, they do, they will win 60 games. They might not do it on purpose just to see how these four guys, four almost super-duper stars, they can work together. But, but it's there. And yeah. the, the concept is there. And sooner or later, like if you surround these four players with shooting, with another shooter, or with Dort improving, or with rotations that have maybe not Lindy Waters and a guy that is better and and more reliable in terms of shooting, this team can go very far because they have J Dub, they have Chet, they have Shea. And if you if you add a little bit of constant shooting with size, you can really go a long way. Yeah. Okay, so it was not short, but there, there you go. I don't disagree. I, I don't disagree that they could use that. I, I just wonder. I'm just going to be so intrigued to see how they acquire it because shooting is going to. It's going to have. They're going to have to get more shooting on this team. Yeah. Like the end. I'm just curious to see how that happens because the the problem with this draft is like there's not a lot of great shooting in this draft. No. You know, there's like guys that can shoot it okay and then there's like a cup there's like a couple guys that can really shoot it and then it's a lot of questionable guys, especially in the range of 12. Yeah. And so you have to I'm just not sure Grady Dick can play for the is is going to be a Thunder player that they're willing to expend assets to get. And I'm also I'm I don't think he's going to be there at twelve just because he does provide such a premium um, with what he does, and so I think that he he will probably get chosen between eight and eleven would be my mm-hmm. guess. And then you have Hendricks, who's the same, who I think provides a really nice level of shooting with the defense, with the shot blocking. I just think it's going to be too much for somebody to, to not take him. And then like we go, you have to go to Hawkins who just doesn't have good size for position. And I know you love Jordan Hawkins, but I just don't know. That <laughs> I see like him a lot. I just don't know I, that I just he's love the way in which he creates space by just the sheer of him moving around and just acting like a crazy man. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just I not see, sure that it's worth the 12th pick, I guess. Would be yeah. That's, that's an issue, I but think. yeah, it's it's not. And, and and to read a little bit on the chat, um, hoops hoopstock sixty nine says, "Have I heard of Isaiah Joe?" Yes, we need more. I'm not saying that he's not in the picture, I, and I specifically mention um, Lindy because I really trust Isaiah Joe, but it's not enough because yeah. when Isaiah Joe goes on a slump like he did at the end of the season, you don't really have any way to replace him today. Yeah, and and this is why I think OKC needs to like have two, three versions of Isaiah Joe on the roster, like like the Heat. <laughs> this is like they resurrected Duncan Robinson for a series, and he's able to shoot forty percent from three. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's out of the rotation for a, lo- a long stretch. Like at the end of the season, Isaiah Joe was really struggling from three. If you have another guy um, that. He is like close to him in terms of percentage and maybe not as good as him that you can play, plug and play and see if he has it. This may be the difference between going to the plane and to the playoffs. Just just last season. 
if you have another guy that, that takes um, six, six, seven trees a game and has like 35, 36% instead of 31 or 32 over the past two months, you have the playoffs, you know, KC. Yeah. Yeah, also, I, th- I think that we have to acknowledge that Chet is going to come in, and I think he's going to shoot. Oh, sure. Which is going to help quite a bit. Yeah. So, yeah. When you have all the playmakers they have, you do need to add shooting. I just wonder if if they think that other assets could be used to do that rather than a lottery pick. That's yeah. just that's just kind of the 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 route that they've taken thus far, and so I'm I'll be very intrigued to see what happens on draft night, especially if a guy like Grady Dick or Taylor Hendricks were available to them. I think the value is there at twelve. Certainly, I just would love to see them actually do it. <laughs> I guess would be one of my questions. Um. This is from at CZ Steel. He says, if all the players in this draft are flawed after the top three, which core value are the Thunder willing to compromise on? And are any of their core values completely non-negotiable? I think it's a really, it's a very interesting question because I do think that that's in play. Yeah. Throughout the rest of the lottery. It's like, okay, what can you give up and what are you willing to just say? Okay, it doesn't matter as much here or there. Um, yeah, I I just have a hard time seeing them compromising the playmaking portion. Yeah, I would I would start with like they they drafted people. Basketball oh, sure, players. sure. Char- characters first every time. Yeah, characters. I don't think they will compromise on that. And I don't think Ever. that there are. I, I really just don't think that there are that many players that you're going to have to do that with, anyways. That are in that range. Like I just, there's not a lot of these guys that are. Um, yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't really um, apply only to yes. These are good guys. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of unselfishness. Yes. And sacrifice. Ability to sacrifice. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. To, I mean, J He's a playmaker who on day one is okay. You you are a power forward now. So yeah, okay, good. Sacrificing you're the body. backup power forward. Actually, you're the backup one. power forward. Exactly. <laughs> Trey Mann will handle the ball more than you do for the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, uh, kind of thing. And, and so I think that this is part of the deal. And I think that Presti mentioned that multiple times. I don't remember if it was this year in closing interview or or last year. Um, saying that in order to make it work, you know, you need sacrifice. Uh, it was it was at uh, the end of this season, and so this to me is the value that will they will absolutely not sacrifice for yeah. anything and anybody. Um, and second, yes, playmaking and yeah. overall idea of being able to play in space, which is even to me more important than just being a playmaker. Because if you are a playmaker and you're, the only thing that you do is like being active with the ball in your hands. Um, I don't think that it's enough for OKC. I think that yeah. playmaking is a little bit more about playing in space on both ends. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And like Jeremy Sohan was somebody last year who, playmaker, certainly, but like the shooting was so brutal. Yeah. That I just, I'm not sure that even if he was there, that he would have been a Thunder guy. 
Um, even though he like checks some of the boxes, um, the shooting was just, you just question whether it's ever going to get there. And yeah. I feel a little bit like that with Walker. I feel like that with Anthony Black too. Like yeah. if there's anything in me that questions that, and Sohan was worse than both, like, by the way, like 29% from three, 58% from the free throw line. Yeah, which is brutal. And it's, but this is why I don't trust Walker. Um, with Black, the percentage from the free throw line gives me a bit more hope. Yeah. But it's not a given. Like he can be at 28% from the from three point range, kind of shooter for the entire career. And I would not be yeah. extremely surprised. He's extremely young, so who knows? But yeah, I think the shooting is a bit later just because we saw them drafting a complete non-shooter in Giddy. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that you can compromise a bit, but the talent needs to be at a different level. Like Giddy was very different from a guy like Kuminga or Book Knight. You can you can question even today, is Franz Wagner or Josh Giddy the good choice in 2021 draft? That is still a question. And um, but OKC went super duper high level IQ and 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 passing and creating um compared to shooting and better defense in, in Franz Wagner. Yeah. So I think that, that shooting is a little bit later. Yeah. In terms of packing order. Or at least it was. Who knows if it's still like this. Yeah. I think the non-negotiables are character and competitiveness. Yeah. I think those are the two that I would say are non-negotiables. Um, and then I would say playmaking might be next. And then mm-hmm. I think you can start to... Then, then I think you can start to say, okay... We can we can figure it out with guys that maybe have a hole here or there, but I think those to me are the right order of what they what I would be surprised if they would compromise on. But it's a good question, and it's and it will certainly be interesting to see because they're going to have to compromise on some level with any of these yeah. guys for sure, unless they pick our guy. <laughs> Buffkin. Buffkin, you don't have to compromise on any of it. I actually don't really know too much about his character, to be honest. No, same. Um, same here. And the shooting is not like the shooting that I have in mind for guys like Hawkins and Gray Dick. It's a different yeah, yeah, level yeah. compared to, to yeah. Buffkin, who projects to be a good shooter. Yeah, he but, definitely yeah. does. But he didn't shoot it well for his freshman year, you know, from deep. Yeah. He shot it better and certainly better as the year went on. Um, he made a pretty big leap, though, from year one to year two at Michigan, where like yeah. def- after year one, I was not even thought of as a guy that could play in the NBA. To he jumped up, I was like, man, like he, and that speaks to his level of competitiveness too. To me, yeah. is that he can get that much better because it's like pretty astounding. And then you compare that to how he played; like he got so much better as the year went on. Some of that was opportunity. But he also mm-hmm. really sees the opportunity down the stretch of the season. Um, so, yeah, I'm a Buffkin boy through and through. There's no doubt about that. In conference play, I mean, he was 15, almost 5-3, and three, shooting 49% from three, 
from the field, 37% from three, 83% from the line. Yeah, that's that's those are good numbers. You know, he's he's definitely like Trey Man size, where he's six four, super duper skinny. Yeah. You know, like that's the other that's like the one thing about him is the Thunder like he would you would have to compromise like size for position would be something that if you were going to take him, you have to be willing to sacrifice that because I think he does provide playmaking. Again, I don't know about the character portion because I, I haven't heard a whole lot about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I've asked a few people and I don't, I haven't gotten any real answers on that. Um, whereas with guys, there, there are a lot of guys in this class that have like great character, like Anthony Black, somebody who checks those boxes, the Thompson twins. I think Walker checks that box. Um, you know, Case and Wallace, certainly. Yeah. I've heard some questionable things about Keontae George as far as character yeah. goes. So, like, I'm kind of putting him to the side when it comes to, you know, Thunder guys in that range. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a great question and one that we'll, have to, we'll come back to certainly, you know, after the draft to see, like, what did they do? What did they compromise on? You know? Yeah. It's funny that right now if we have a six four and a half point guard, we're talking about yeah, it's not doesn't have great size for the position. Whereas like if you look at I mean Murray but, is six four and a half. Um Vincent is probably six one. Yeah, um, true. White is six three. Brogdon is but maybe six. But but five. I think they wouldn't draft him to be like a point guard. And that's the thing with this team is like they they're pushing the boundaries of like positionless basketball too. Yeah, it's like you are just like a wing. It's basically wings, and I mean they, they basically played all wing lineup was their best yeah. lineup last year. Yeah, where Kenrich was your quote unquote center, but like they didn't have a center. They didn't play. You know, I'm so curious to see how Kenrich plays next season. I just want to see him playing. I know so bad. He's he's great. Yeah. Uh, at Tulsa Beer Money wants to know your thoughts on Bill Simmons' take about the new CBA being bad for Oklahoma City. I, I think it's just too soon to jump to that conclusion, number one, mm-hmm. because we don't know where all these guys are going to end up contract-wise. Certainly, the Thunder would take the scenario where they have like four or five max guys. Like, yeah, <laughs> any team would be okay with that. And then you have to make some yeah. difficult choices fine but it's just too soon for that kind of talk to be honest yeah and the more i think about that kind of statement the more i see that one of the major issues from the james harden trade was not really trading james harden Mm -hmm. period was what they got back it was a completely different nba um first round picks will be valuable in the future um, for sure. But if a guy of that level goes in the market right now, like you would get a package like the one that they get from for, I don't know, Donald Mitchell. Yeah. And and if you can do that, uh, it would be sad to see a guy like J-Dub go or Giddy go or even Chet or Shea. But if you get enough, then then that will not be an issue. The problem with the Harden trade was giving up an asset for something that amount to Steven Adams and one year of Martin. Yeah. And that's it, mm-hmm. which is not the ideal return. But if you draft Yanis with that pick, 
Wow, that's okay. Look at look how OKC is winning titles uh, for years and years because they drafted well enough, and it's that is that is why. I mean, um, so I I do think that is screwing up is it's not on the on like it, they have time to prepare, and and I think that in general having a rule that improves the spreading of the talent, it's it's not going to be a problem uh, for KC. Mm-hmm. Uh, at underscore Connor Allen says, my brother and I have a bet on who will be, who will have the better career between Anthony Black and Josh Giddy. Connor says Giddy. His brother says Black. Who will win this bet? It would be foolish to say Black today. Giddy is amazing. Dick, sorry, you said Giddy or Dick? Giddy and Anthony Black. Giddy, okay. Uh, for a moment, okay, okay. No, it's it's Giddy today, and it's not really close. Yeah, Giddy is one year older than the Black. Um, Maybe. Yeah, let me look at Anthony Black's birthday. Uh, yeah, and he's just incredible. Yeah, <laughs> he's already so good. I mean, if Anthony Black turned out to to be even Josh Giddy level, he'd be like a lock for the top four, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, that's how good Josh Giddy has been. And it's gone under the radar to a degree that it that it certainly shouldn't have, you know. Yeah. Trading waters. That is how he started. <laughs> so and, and 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 this is this also shows us how important the first three weeks of the NBA are. Because you shape some narratives, and those are hard to just forget. And it's uh, if you have a month or two where the team goes well, and then you have like this narrative for a lot. And with Gideon, he was bad at the beginning, and then very good. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I I would feel pretty good about your Josh Giddy pick. Yeah, he's about a year older. Than Anthony Black. <laughs> and he's going into year insane. three of yeah. his NBA career. Yeah. yeah. Also, just being 6'8 and as strong as he is, Anthony Black is, is very skinny. You know, doesn't have that, that bulk or that strength yet. And not to say that he couldn't, you know, put on some weight, but, you know, and, and it's not that like there's not a world where Anthony Black could be better, but. The NBA is tough. Yeah. The NBA is so, so tough. And, you know, just seeing what Josh has done so far in his career, I mean, just the raw numbers, 16.6 points, 7.9 rebounds, six assists per game. On? 48% from the field, 32% from three, and 73% from the line. Yeah, that that part, the part of that, that that gives me more hope is the fact that if you look at the way in which he play, he improved from year one to year two, is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's completely crazy, and like say that he plateaus for year two, then you can say, okay, if he goes like 44 percent from the field, twenty nine percent from the again on even good 
like rebound and assist numbers and say, oh, he didn't he really didn't improve. No, he really improved. He's an efficient player today. Like he's an efficient player. He doesn't space the court. That is still an issue, but he improves five percent point uh, on the three point shot, and he's improving on the free throw line. Yeah. And the second part of the season was much better. Yeah. So if you, I, I think that if you isolate from like December on, he has like even better numbers, which again, it's insane. Yeah. And Giddy's level of competitiveness too is pretty elite. And just understanding overall of the game is at such a high level. Not that Anthony Black isn't, but I th- I just think Giddy is a, if he got to that level of like processing speed that Giddy yeah. has, like I would easily take Anthony Black fourth in this draft. Like I would. Yeah, and, and, an and if OKC thinks that he can be remotely close to Giddy. They would do whatever they can yeah. to draft him. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, (laughs) I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. At Lifetime 1384, with the team running out of roster spots, uh, what would you say is the window for a young player to develop in our system now before potentially being replaced? It's a really interesting. It's a really interesting thought because it's true. It's very true. Like Trey Mann, time's ticking, Trey. You know. Yeah. And if if they do draft another guard, 
time might be up for him. Yeah. Uh, it, certainly, Trey could come back and be better and show that he's like better than Casey Wallace or Nick Smith or Kobe Bufkin or whoever they draft there. You know, like that's they would give him the space to do that. But mm-hmm. man, it is. Um, it's it's going to get real with a lot of these guys. There's not going to be guaranteed minutes for anybody, and obviously you have your players that have already risen above everybody else. But like, who's to say that Aaron Wiggins could just be better than whoever they drafted 12, and that guy doesn't even get the chance that he deserves on a team just because yeah. there's so much like young talent on a team? There are going to be players that go on to have awesome NBA careers that start in Oklahoma city and they have to go somewhere else just because yeah, of the lack of opportunity. I, I, I put the uh, three years as a time. Yeah. It's okay. Three years seems about right. Yeah, like Poku and, um, and Trey man will be, I mean, Poku had like a lot of injuries. So I think that he'll get a year more, but I would not be surprised if by, like the trade deadline, they would just say, okay. Yeah. With him, uh, with Trey, maybe next summer. By the way, um, I couldn't stop myself. So I just tried to isolate the last 60 game for KD. 49% from the field, 33% from, 34% from three, 75% from the line, 17.1 points. Yeah. Six rebounds, eight, yeah. sorry, 8.1 rebounds, 6.3 assists. That's, that's just, Whatever. If he does it next year, it will be an all-star with these numbers. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. And then what he did in Sorry. the play-in, too, was just, like, yeah. eye-opening. For yeah. sure. But it's a good question. And the, the squeeze is going to happen. They're going to add another talented player, maybe two, in this next yeah. draft. They have up to four picks in the following draft. Yeah. There's just a, there is a lot of pressure on guys like six through 15 to really make big jumps. And the three years to me are for bona fide first round picks. I mean, I would not be surprised if Jerry goes somewhere else as early as this season. Yeah. Maybe even before in this like free agency, um, there is a real chance where if Jang improves, if Jay will is what, we saw that like Jerry doesn't play full stop, yeah. not even a minute. Yeah, it may be done for Jerry. Yeah. With Trey, I think it's a bit easier if they don't draft a, a guard to find spot minutes for him. Yeah, like if they drafted Leonard Miller or somebody like that, that would yeah. Be- if they draft Leonard Miller, to me, like they will have to clear house at the four spot to give him a lot of minutes. Yeah, it would be not good for guys like Poku. Yeah. You know, and like Jang would have to fight for minutes too, you know, which seems kind of crazy. Like they just expended three draft picks to get him at 11 just a year ago. But if they draft a guy like Leonard Miller, it's not like one, Leonard Miller's not guaranteed to like play a ton or to like Mm -hmm. be a huge part of the rotation next year. Uh, they're gonna have to fight it out. They're gonna they're gonna roll the ball out uh, at training camp, and I think Mark will play the guys that deserve the minutes. You know, mm-hmm. we saw 
you know, Aaron Wiggins make a bigger impact on the team than Trey Mann did this year. And it was just a year before that that it was, you know, Trey and Wiggins were drafted in the same draft together. Yeah. And it's like, well, we don't really care where you were drafted. And I think that's a really good thing about the Thunder is like they just they don't care where you were no. drafted. They they want you to be competitive. And whoever the better player is, great. And that's how most teams are. It's not some un, some unique trait to the Thunder, but no. But it's certainly something that I think is really good for the level of competition within the roster itself. Like there's not a lot of token minutes given to guys anymore. And certainly that's going to get more and more difficult as they kind of go through this process. Um, at krush underscore h, your favorite interactions you've had with a player. JRE signed my son's hat and talked to him a bit. Uh, he talks a lot about what a great guy JRE is. He's awesome. Like Jeremiah is super, super duper nice guy. Uh, kind of the the cool thing about this roster is that there it's the kind of roster that I, and I think I've said this on the podcast before that I'm like really excited for my kids to enjoy Mm -hmm. because I genuinely like everybody that's on the roster. Like I genuinely have had good interactions with every single guy on, on the team. You know, Ken Kenrich is definitely one of my favorites to talk to. Hey, what are you doing? Oh, good. Uh, Kenrich is definitely one of my favorites to talk to just in general. Um, I'm trying to think who else I really like to talk to. Isaiah Joe is just a delight. Aaron Wiggins is pretty funny. Um, a little bit more. No, Jay Will Love. A little bit I more mean, shy. Jay Will's, Jay Will's great. Jay Will's great. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like the whole, the whole team. Like I could go through every single person. Like even Usman Jang and Poku, who both have like language barriers that exist, mm-hmm. certainly. Both just like very nice people. Poku is, he's got, as he's gotten more comfortable, like his personality's kind of come out a little bit more. He is genuinely just a really, really kind person. Yeah. Um, that goes for, for all these guys. I mean, I, I again, like I, I would, I am really glad that this is the kind of team that's in OKC just so that my kids, like I feel very comfortable with my kids looking up to all these guys. In, in a world, in an NBA, where I don't feel that way about everybody in the league. Yeah. Um, I feel that way. Uh, Shea, I, didn't mean, I haven't even said Shea, but I, you could not find somebody within the Thunder organization or within the NBA that has had like negative, that has negative things to say about Shea personality-wise. Yeah, which is he's which like, is still incredible. It's like almost yeah. too good, and he's almost too good to be true in a lot of ways. Um, genuinely, just a very good person. Same with Lou. I love Lou Dort. So I don't know. I I've, I could talk a lot about these guys, but like specific interactions, some of those I won't share. But just in general, like I just think these guys are are really great. Uh, My favorite and only interaction with an actual NBA player mm-hmm. was in Italy with Gallo. Yeah. Where I was a journalist back then for a radio. I said, well, there was, was this interview on this gossip journal about you deciding to stay in Milan and not going to the NBA. I said, that's false. I don't know where you read that, but that's very false. I said, thank you. 
and it was it was right. <laughs> I went to the ABA the next summer. <laughs> That's awesome. That is amazing. Uh, he was so young. He was probably eighteen and a half, nineteen. Yeah. I mean, I, I always told I, I probably already told the story about Gallo, but Gallo in Italy played in the second league. Yeah. The first time I saw it. Yeah. And he was so much better than anybody I've ever saw. I mean, he was yeah. just insane. Yeah, that's awesome. That is yeah. really cool. That's a cool story. Uh, let's see. Tons and tons of questions. At at Hippo Dresser, is there a not a thunder guy, not a thunder player in quotes that you would like to see this team draft? Oh, it's very, very easy. If um it's uh, well, I don't want them to draft a guy that is not a thunder guy. Yeah. But we can we can reframe the question as to to is there a player that you really want to be a thunder player, but it's not for some reason? It's Brandon Miller. I mean, if they could mm. have or if Brennan is actually a thunder player and yeah. it doesn't seem like one that player is the guy. Because Brennan Miller would be insanely perfect yeah. for this team. Yeah. I I think I'm kind of coming around on Taylor Hendricks more as being a like not a Thunder guy, but I would kind yeah, of Yeah, but come on, shoot higher than that. <laughs> you don't want me to go realistic? No. Who cares about realistic? Uh, I just I mean I mean, yeah, maybe. Okay, Taylor Hendricks, let's go for that. Um, to me, I just just take the best of the best and who's not the player. And, but yeah, also Hendricks. Yeah. Yeah, Hendricks might be the guy just because he provides a level of shooting that they need from the perimeter. Yeah. You know, putting a little bow on our earlier conversation yeah just, just like somebody give that gives me some shooting and can play defense like you need both that's yeah, why Brandon miller can defend the right oh miller be yeah i mean if you're shooting for the stars it's it's miller yeah yeah how many picks do you think that they're that you will need i don't think that you <sighs> get enough with the picks you have i don't know to get to three to get to two i don't know yeah in the chat james Sanderson says just go Wemby, then Mickey. But Wemby is clearly a Thunder guy. <laughs> like, thunder I don't guy. have to. He yeah. is a Thunder guy. Yeah. Um, Miller is actually not. And I think that there, that Miller is attainable if you really want him. Uh, there are trades that you can concoct in order to get him. I think that J-Dub for Brandon Miller is actually a real trade. I would not do that. Yeah, I would not do that. But, 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 but it's a trade. There is no trade in the entire globe that will give you Wemby. Not even once. Yeah. Yeah. Like every everybody else, like I think the Thompson twins are thundery players. I think you can talk yourself Mm -hmm. into Jarris Walker being a thundery guy, although I'm just kind of souring on him a little bit. Yeah, I know. Cam Whitmore is definitely not a thunder guy. Yeah, but I, I don't like I, I need to go back and rewatch Cam Whitmore. I, I, I'm I think I'd just this rather have I think months. I, I think I, I would just rather have Hendrix at this point. Just because I know what he can do. And if you can and the Thunder don't like to box guys in. They prefer the, mm-hmm. to not do that, actually. Mm-hmm. 
But with this team, if you were just like, hey, Hendricks, just like shoot open threes, roll to the bucket, and, you know, play impeccable defense, like those are your, that's your assignment. Like, let's, let's roll the ball out. You know, I, th- I think it would, it would work. Like, I just don't, yeah. I think they would, I just think it would work. Um, no, if, if you're, if we're talking about guys that they can actually get, I mean, I don't know personality wise. But boy, oh boy, Gerdick will make everything easy on the court for everybody. Yeah. Just as I was saying in the beginning, Hawkins to me is also a guy that is going to be there at twelve, and I think will be will do wonders for mm-hmm. KC mm-hmm. in terms of just being able to play an amazing spread out brand of basketball. He will be Isaiah Joe on steroids, I think, mm-hmm. because again, he ha- he adds the the movement. Isaiah Joe is a little bit more static, even if he's improving i mean for what we know isaiah Joe can start next year <laughs> if, he's, if he's improving that much so yeah. i don't know but um these two shooters are not guys that i think are thunder guys but i would actually be very very okay with okc drafting both of them yeah either of them yeah um at bereavement life Rafael Barlow seems to do well in resisting groupthink and sticking with his big board. Pre-draft, he was very accurate with Paulo Chet Jabari uh, in the proper draft order. Right now, he's high on Gigi Jackson. Specifically, tell me why Gigi shouldn't be a top 10 pick. Um, oh, where do we start? This is a loaded question. This is a very yeah. loaded question. So we, we scouted Gigi Jackson early on, yeah. um, even before hit the fact that he kind of left the team um, at the middle of the season or whatever he checked out. Um, and it's not only that. On the court, he shows immense flashes. Yeah. He is athletic as hell. He's 6'9", I think. Very good length. Um, he can do a lot of things on the court. Um, nothing really good, but flashes all over the place. Defense is just awful. He has all the tools to be a great defender. If he wants to, he doesn't want to. This is why I think that Gigi is not a guy who OKC will likely pick. Um, Especially if they have just this one pick. Suppose that they have 20 and 25, then you can say, okay, you're a G-League player to me until you prove that you can really be a professional. But I don't think that OKC has the luxury can have the luxury to draft a guy like that this year. Yeah. Also he's like he didn't shoot the ball well. No. Like no, he could, there's, zero. There's a lot of like self creation stuff with him at his size that basically none of the other forwards can do. You know, as far as just like upside with self creation. But it wasn't the results weren't good. No. You know it's flashes. It's flashes all over the place. Like Poku. Poku was all flashes, I mean, even in the second He was 30, 34% from the field in conference yeah. play. 28% from Poku. three, 68% from the free throw line. There's like, if you're into Gigi Jackson, you're into him because, one, he's going to be like the youngest guy in this draft class, I think. Mm-hmm. He's like one of the younger guys in the draft class. He has a ton of self-creation ability that most of the forwards in this class don't have. 
Mm-hmm. And he's got good size and length. He's not super skinny. Like he's pretty beefy for a power forward. Like he looks the part. Um, those are the reasons that you're into him, and you just think that you, he can, you know, get better and figure it out through time, and that he's, you know, a full calendar year younger than these other guys like Hendricks and Walker. Like, I think he's even a. I think he's like 18 months younger than Jairus Walker, I think. Yeah. And so there's just, there's a lot to, that you could say about that, but you'd have to buy on the upside. He's got some sincere character flaws that he put on full display. He did it himself. It's not just like on background. Like he put himself out there as a guy that has kind of questionable team character. And, I'm sorry. I know the South Carolina wasn't a great situation, but boy, when you're out there advertising it, what does that say about you? It's not good. And I don't think there's so many reasons why the Thunder wouldn't take him, especially at 12. But if you're into him as a top 10 prospect, one, you don't like this draft. Um, Yeah. Two, you think you value self-creation more than creating for others and things like that. And, and there are people that do. I think that Raphael is a guy that's shown himself to be more of a believer in guys that can create on their own. Yeah. And Raphael does a great job. I would never say that I'm smarter than him or no more than him. I don't. Um, he knows these players a lot better than me. But I also evaluate them through the lens of the thunder where he doesn't. He evaluates them just – on like a lens yeah. of like the NBA. Yeah, and, and maybe Gigi is the nicest human being that was thrown in a very hard and difficult situation. We don't know that. There are plenty of comments in the chat about this. Um, but to me, the, the on-court product was just not there, consistency-wise. And when you have that, sure, you can, you can struck gold. You can find gold if you draft a guy like him and he suddenly showed you, hey, I can hit 48% of my mid-range job, uh, jumpers from the pull-up or just hit 45% from three. Last year was just me learning how to play basketball for real. Um, it can happen. Um, it would be a wild guess, guess at this point to say, okay, Gigi Jackson is too too much talent. I, I don't know. I, I Talent is also being extremely consistent. Um, if you get 41 night like Perry Jones and you just get nothing for three nights in a row, yeah, you have the talent to score 40. Yeah. But that's that's not what the NBA is is looking for. Yeah. To me. Yeah, I'm not sure that Gigi's gonna come in and just sit down and be willing to sacrifice whatever he has to do for the team. Like he just hasn't hasn't profiled as a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Sam Vecini's somebody that I trust a lot with draft evaluation and we, we talk quite a bit and he even said on the dream team show that he evaluates prospects through a similar lens that the thunder do. And I'm not even sure that he would take Gigi in the first round, let alone the top 10. Um, Yeah. You can, again, if you are Brooklyn and he, he he does an insane workout for you and you have two picks in a row. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Try one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Maybe we'll go one more question. 
Um, some people want to know about Poku if he's going to stick around. Like he's got to have a really good summer. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. Mm. In order for him, um, at OKC underscore UTV, how does Grady Dick compare to Clay Thompson as an NBA draft prospect? Um, uh, I have looked looked up the numbers. Um, Clay played three years, which is definitely a factor. He was worse than Grady in his first year, for sure. Um, he grown into a more um, well-rounded player than Grady is right now. He was a better uh, at creating for others. He was surely a better defender. But if you look at Clay number one, first of all, I don't have too much too many recollections of that but if you just look at the numbers grady is way better than what clay was in year one um it's going to be like understanding what kind of basketball grady can play in the nba can he be a guy who never stops the ball and always look for the extra pass um or is he just a play finisher can he be a serviceable defender um he competed hard in college can he be a little bit more or at least equal to what he was in college. Uh, if so, I mean, well, Clay is one of one. As a guy who can hit 10 trees in a game, shooting in 13, and like taking his team to the finals with that single game. Projecting any player in the draft to be like that would be an insult to Clay and probably something unfair to the prospect. Uh, but Grady is a great shooter, and he's a great shooter with size, and can move around, can rebound. Um, Again, um, compared to Clay, is meaningless to me. But he projects as one of the best shooters to go on the lottery since a while, I would say. Um, yeah, I, I think defensively is just like the biggest thing. Like Clay's yeah. like, and Clay wasn't some great defender at Washington State. Yeah, um, which is part of the reason that he fell in the draft. But he became a really good defender, and like I think the question is with Grady is like, can he become a good defender on the wing? And I have a little, I have some more questions about that for him. Um, so yeah, I definitely, definitely have some concerns. Yeah. A lot of, lot of, lot going on in the chat about character flaws and whatnot. Um, and I'm talk, talking about how. You don't win a championship based upon how nice your guys are. Like nobody thinks that. No one, no one said that or thinks that. But like the reality is, like the Thunder aren't going to let those problems derail them. I mean, you look at you look at the way that like the the Grizzlies and and John Morant at the end of the day might be worth all of this hoopla. Yeah, it might be worth it. And the Thunder haven't had a chance to draft somebody who's worth it. But when you're drafting at 12, when you're drafting in the teens, when you're drafting in the 20s, those guys aren't worth it. Kevin Porter Jr. is not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah. This They are going to need a team full of players with the, with the way they want to play that are willing to sacrifice. Period. The end. Yeah. And if they're not, it's going to just make things a lot harder for them. And so I just think that and the the IG thing isn't the only thing about Gigi Jackson that is keeping people from wanting to draft him. That's not the only thing. 
I'm not going to talk more about it on the podcast, but I can tell you, like, that's not the only thing that is keeping people from wanting to draft him. Um, he also just doesn't fit the way the Thunder want to play. Yeah. Like, there's just no, there's no debating that. I don't think you can watch him and think that he's, he can fit right into what the Thunder want to do. Like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So I just, there are definitely, there are players that would be worth it and there's players that aren't worth it. And where the Thunder draw that line, I don't know. Because they haven't, they haven't taken a player that has those kind of questions in this, in this iteration of the Thunder. They just haven't. And so I don't, I don't think that they're, you know, with the 12th pick, I don't think that they're in the range of having to make those kind of questions. I think that they will evaluate, go through their evaluations with regards to character and that whether or not you like it, it's a part of it. Like it yeah. just is a part of it. They would not risk a don't get caught kind of thing ever again. Yeah, I don't think that. Yeah, I mean, there were McGarry had was a was a nice player, certainly. Oh, but, he could have been. This, I'm not saying Jokic because there is one Jokic, but the, there were games where he was incredible, like yeah. getting the ball in transition, like passing around, shooting the basketball, just being a bully. I mean, he was. I mean. I don't know. Um, again, comparing him to guys like Domas or whatever is unfair. But he was mm-hmm. just spectacular at moments in yeah. that season. Probably like the highs that he had already in year one were so. Inter- I was so hyped for Mitchell McGarry in year two, mm-hmm. and then nothing. You yeah. you can't risk that. You really can't. Yeah. Yeah. And. Even then, that's a pick in the twenties, and yep. the truth is, like picks in the twenties, they don't they don't matter quite as much. And most teams miss in the twenties. That's just the way that it is. Um, so should have drafted Rodney Hood instead, as Daniel Zanolini says. Yes, sure, but is sure. Rodney Hood making the difference between the Thunder? As like, is he changing the history of the Thunder? Probably not. He hits one three in the Golden State game six, and yeah, can he play? Can Rodney Hood play in that series? That's a good question. Like I just don't know. It's it is the NBA is so tough. It's yeah. so tough, and you have to find whatever competitive advantage you can find. And the and one of the competitive advantages that the Thunder are taking very seriously is just the character of the players that they bring in to their system. Yeah. And it's a competitive advantage. You can ask the Memphis Grizzlies right now if it's a competitive advantage to have a group of guys that are all willing to sacrifice, that are all going to pull in the same rope. Because they're having issues there with that. Like big, big issues. Yeah. And a lot of and I some of it is jaw. Some of it is organizationally, they don't have the structure that others do. Yeah. And that is also a big problem that I think at some point will be there. There will be like a big feature on something, something to the, of that nature. I would be surprised if there wasn't. But it's it's not all. And the Thunder don't have the 
the same problems that the Grizzlies do with regards to like organizational structure. Um, so, but the Thunder are going to make sure they don't have those kind of problems, at least that are apparent from the outset. Can people change? Yeah. Can, can situations change? Absolutely, they can. Things can change and evolve quickly with regards to, to people. But I think that from the outset, they're going to they're gonna do their best to make sure that, that it is a competitive advantage for them. And that's all. That's all we're trying to say. And, that's, and it's obvious. Like Just look at the guys up and down the roster. It's just true. And it doesn't mean you're sacrificing yeah. skill and talent to draft nice people. Like that's an absurd take. We got some absurdness in the in the comments today. Um, all right. Hope you guys enjoy your day. Hope you guys um, take some time to just reflect today on Memorial Day. And we will have more podcasts for you this week. I think we're going to have a draft based podcast Wednesday as well with a special guest. So stay tuned for that. Hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.